This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. Amen. Well, turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. We want to take the last uh, part of the chapter. We want to start with verse 14 down through verse 21 this morning and talk about Paul's prayer. This is the second prayer that Paul prays in uh, uh, the, the letter that he writes to the church at Ephesus. And in my opinion, it's the, it's the second of the two great prayers for the church. Now, if you, if you go through the, God, uh, the uh, epistles and uh, read the things that Paul wrote, in almost every letter that he wrote, he writes to the church about something that he prays for them. And um, uh, sometimes it's longer, sometimes it's shorter. But, uh, but these two prayers in Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 1 and Ephesians chapter 3, are really the, uh, well, for lack of a better way to say it, the signature prayers in my opinion. Now, in, um, uh, in looking at this prayer in Ephesians chapter 3, and it's, I, I can't overemphasize the importance of these seven verses because Paul is praying something for the church that is the summation of everything that God intended from before the worlds were created. And it's, um, uh, if you'll notice in verse 14, he says, for this cause. Those are the key words. Because if you don't understand the cause for what he's praying, you're not going to get the prayer. If you'll remember over in chapter 1, Paul uh, tells us about God's eternal purpose, about uh, that God planned to, to redeem mankind and make a family for himself. And as a result, he starts off in verse 16 of, Romans, of uh, Ephesians chapter 1. And he says, uh, he prays certain things specifically that the eyes of our understanding, our spiritual understanding would be open, that we'd know who we are in Christ, what belongs to us because of Jesus' sacrifice. In other words, the, the benefits, the riches of the glory of the redemptive work of Jesus. And it's for that cause, because of God's eternal purpose for redemption of mankind, that he prays. Well, in chapter 3, it's the same thing, only as a different cause. If we're going to understand the cause, we're going to have to go back to earlier in the chapter where he identifies the foundation for what he's praying and why he's praying it. Now, if you look with me in Ephesians chapter 3 in verse, uh, uh, well, let me make some comments and then we'll start reading in verse 10. Paul talks about in chapter 3, the first part of chapter 3, he talks about the fellowship of the mystery. He talks about the mystery that was hidden from the world from ages past even hidden from the Jews uh, who had the revelation of the, the law of Moses. He said the mystery is to make of himself one family of both Jews and Gentiles, to make the Gentiles fellow heirs with the Jews in this eternal plan of redemption, this plan of redemption that God came up with and originated before the world was ever formed, not just before mankind was created, but before the world was formed in the beginning. In other words, this was always God's purpose. It was always God's purpose to have one family. It was always God's purpose for that one family to be made up of men and women who were born again, redeemed from the curse of the law, redeemed from spiritual death, made righteous by the blood of Jesus to this end. Notice verse 10, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10. To this end, to the intent 
that now under the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. Now, if you just take that verse out of his setting, it's like, well, that sounds like King James English, and we're not even sure what he's trying to get across. But remember how this letter came about. This letter, the letter to to the Ephesians and the letter to the Colossians are parallel letters. Now, from that, we uh, we understand that that's the case because... They, they cover the same subjects, almost chapter for chapter. But there is a difference in the two letters. The, the church at Colossae was being inundated with wrong teaching. The wrong teaching Paul identifies specifically in the letter that he writes to them in order to correct the, the heresy and the, the wrong doctrine that's, uh, that's out there. The letter to the Ephesians covers it from a more of a big picture standpoint. The letter to the Colossians is, here's how how to fix the wrong teaching that's uh, in the midst of the church. The letter to the Ephesians is, here's what the church should look like, the universal church should look like. Now, a part of the teaching, we understand from the letter to the Colossians, a part of the teaching was a wrong emphasis on spirit beings, angels, but also evil spirits. Paul says in um, Colossians chapter 2, verse 18, I believe it is, Paul says, don't let anybody cheat you out of your reward. King James says, beguile you. But it literally means don't let anybody cheat you out of your reward through a voluntary humility or worshiping of angels. Well, that's the teaching that was going on. They were being taught. Somebody had come in from the outside and were teaching the church at Colossae that evil spirits and as well as angels had a much higher place in God's line of, uh, of order than man did and so we need to give homage to evil spirits well basically that's idolatry that's what these pagan nations were doing when they were offering sacrifice to idols and so forth they were trying to appease some unseen spirit being well it was it had crept back in to the church under a different name and and a different uh, uh well it was dressed up differently but it's still the same thing so paul's talking about The order, when he writes to the Ephesians, he's talking about the order. One of the things he talks about, at least, is the order of man in God's creative line. And so he says, here's God's purpose. The purpose for redemption, the mystery that was held from the ages, was, Ephesians 3.10, to show principalities and powers the glory of God working through his redemptive creature. In other words, God's plan as revealed by Paul through the Holy Ghost, God's plan is for you to be the proof that the devil is defeated. For this cause, verse 14, for this cause, knowing where man falls in God's line of order, not below evil spirits, not below angels, but above them, for this cause, I, Paul, I'm sorry, got the wrong verse. Verse 14, for this cause, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Now, folks, we call ourselves Christians. God doesn't. Families aren't named after the older brother. Families are named after the father. And so what this is saying is God wanted a family for himself. The redemptive work that's described in chapter 1, The intent for this redeemed family to reveal the glory of God to angels and demons 
is all because it's a part of the Father's family. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Notice part of the family is in heaven, part of the family is in earth. Same family. When somebody dies, either us or a loved one, dies and goes to heaven, we leave this earth, but we don't leave the family. God's plan is to gather the family together when Jesus comes back. He'll take the part of the family that's on the earth and gather it together with the part of the family that's already in heaven. And there we'll be joined to him to spend eternity with him. Of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. That he, the father of the family, would grant you. Folks, everything is based on relationship. Everything is based on relationship. And we have that responsibility. That he, the father of the family, would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. Now, folks, this is Paul's prayer. He prays that because God's plan is to show his glory to the angels and the demons through you, through the church, here's his prayer that we would be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. Can I ask you something? What does that phrase mean to you? Join Mike Webb and Foothill Family Church every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our weekly healing school. Healing school is for those who are in need of being healed from sickness in their body, as well as those who want to strengthen their faith in the area of healing. Jesus said the kingdom of God is as a man speaking the word of God into his heart. You exercising your authority in the name of Jesus by whom you have access into the kingdom of heaven to say that for you, you are free from the influence of sickness and disease. Foothill Family Church is in Orange County at the corner of Bake Parkway and Lake Forest Drive, just minutes off the 5 Freeway. To learn more about how you and your family can connect with Foothill Family Church, simply log on to mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. If you're like most people, it means you're looking for God to give you something you don't already have. Somehow, some way, it's going to come from the outside if it comes at all. But it doesn't seem to come to many. So they become just empty words. Paul is not praying empty words. He's praying a prayer that's inspired by the Holy Ghost. That the Holy Ghost will bring to pass. Strengthened by the spirit of might. That's the Holy Spirit in your spirit. Why would the Holy Ghost impress Paul to pray and to leave a record for a prayer that he himself can fulfill if God didn't intend to fulfill it? That'd be kind of cruel, wouldn't it? I mean, if I'm with my kids and I say, you know, if you just ask me, I'll take you to Disneyland. And then they ask me and I say, oh, I was just kidding. Now, I'm going to have to check my food for the next couple of days. That's not how it works, is it? That's exactly what is happening here. The Holy Ghost is saying, Paul, pray this because this is the will of God to accomplish in you and in all the church. That we would be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. 
What does that mean? Well, the word strengthened is the word for rule. It's kratos in the, in the, in the Greek. And it means ruling power. The word might is the word dunamis. It's the word that's translated power most of the other places in the New Testament. It's the word power. It means inherent power. Well, how do you access God's power, his ability? Paul said, writing to the Romans, Romans 1.16, he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God, the dunamis of God unto salvation, to save, to rescue, to heal, to deliver. It's the word of God that is the power of God. How do you access the power of God through his word? By faith. You know what he's praying? He's praying that your lives would be ruled by faith to access God's power. He's praying that the father of the family, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, would grant to you according to the riches of his glory. In other words, that which has already been accomplished by Jesus. This is not something that God's got to say, well, I don't normally do this, but okay. No, this is something that's already been accomplished. The riches of the glory have already been accomplished to the finished work of Jesus. He's praying that God would, according to that which has already been done, grant us that our lives would be ruled. Our lives, our inner man, our spirit lives would be ruled by faith to access his power. To what end? That Christ may dwell in your heart by faith. That Christ may dwell in your heart by faith. Now, folks, think about what he's not saying. He can't be talking about getting saved. These people are already saved. So he's not talking about Jesus coming into their hearts. He's talking about Jesus dwelling there. What does that tell us? It tells us the big difference between being saved and being ruled by faith. You remember in John 17... John 17, verse 7, Jesus said to his disciples, he said, if you abide in me, this word dwell is also the word abide. Same word. If you abide in me or dwell in me and my word abides or dwells in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Do you know what these verses are telling us? That the Holy Ghost is inspiring Paul to pray for us, which reveals to us, to us what God's will is for our lives. God's will for our lives is that we should be so ruled and governed by faith in him and in his word that we conquer every attack of the enemy. Now, folks, you may think, well, yeah, I knew that already. Think about what he's saying. He's saying by the Holy Ghost, God wants you to pray and operate in such a way so that the devil has no room for victory in any area of your life because that's the way that God manifests his glory throughout all the ages of the world. In other words, every attack of the enemy that you withstand in faith, you're glorifying God. You're part of God's eternal purpose. It's the way God planned it from the beginning. Think about that from God's standpoint. There was a day when God put his man here on the earth, Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, where they fell. And at that point in time, the devil thought he had mankind forever. Looked like everything was gone except for God's plan of redemption. Jesus comes to the earth. Jesus begins to operate outside of the curse of spiritual death. 
he starts doing miracles by the anointing of the Holy Ghost. He's operating as a righteous man according to the Old Testament law. He's never broken the law. He's always kept it. And so he's operating in the fullness of Abraham's blessing in every way possible. And everybody sees there's a difference about him. We get the idea that people looked at Jesus and said, wow, he's got to be the son of God. Jesus didn't operate here on the, on the earth as the son of God according to his own testimony. He operated here on the earth as a righteous man according to the law. So when we look at Jesus, we can see what God intended mankind to be here on the earth. Was Jesus hindered by lack? No, when there wasn't food, he made multiplied loaves and fishes. When there wasn't wine, he changed the molecular structure of water and turned it into wine. When he was without a way to get from one place to another, he walked on the water. When the crowd wanted to throw him off the brow of the cliff because he didn't like what he was saying, he turned around and walked through the midst of them. What did this result in by Jesus conquering the work of the devil against him time after time after time? He glorified God. That's what God intended for you and me. That's why he gave us his life, meaning Jesus' life, as a substitute. There was an exchange made. That exchange was he took your death on the cross. He didn't deserve it. He didn't do anything to earn it. But God put your death on him so that he could put his life on you. You didn't deserve it. You didn't do anything to earn it. But that's part of the swap. That's part of the exchange. That's exactly what this verse is saying. It's saying God's intended purpose from before the world was ever created. See, we think that we get in trouble and, we, and, and somehow we need to talk God into doing something for us. Oh, Lord, here I am. I'm in financial trouble. Please help me. I claim whatever I need, whatever monies I need to meet this need and, and to pay the bills or whatever the case is. Please, Lord, please, 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 please do it for me. God's looking at it and say, you don't have to bother me about that. Stand in faith according to what my word has already said has been done for you because this was my eternal purpose for you to conquer the lack that's here on the earth. Sickness and disease attacks us. We say, oh, Lord, please let me be good enough. Hopefully I've been good enough to earn the, 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 the healing work of Jesus that he accomplished on the cross. God says, this is what my eternal purpose and plan was all about so that you could conquer the temptations of the enemy, whether they be physical, whether they be mental, or whether they be spiritual. God planned for you to win every time. Yeah, but Pastor Mike, if God planned it that way, why is the church in so much trouble? Because we're not ruled by faith. We're ruled by fear in many cases. We're ruled by other ideas contrary to the word. Any number of things. It's only being ruled or strengthened with might through the operation of faith that we're going to conquer the work of the devil, that Christ may dwell in your heart by faith. What does it take for Jesus to get comfortable living in you? He lives in everybody that's, made, that's confessed him as Lord and Savior. But what does it take for him to get comfortable abiding in you? The word. The word, because Jesus and the word are one. 
Jesus is the Word made flesh. So to the degree that we live according to the Word of God, that's the degree that Christ is going to dwell in our heart by faith. Notice the next thing he says, the next part of the purpose is that we being rooted and grounded in love. Rooted and grounded in love. Why do we need to be rooted and grounded in love? Well, for a couple of reasons. Number one, the Bible says God is love. So when we operate in love, we're showing forth his character and nature. Jesus said in John chapter 13, a new commandment I give unto you, that you would love one another as I have loved you. He said, by this, the new commandment of love, shall all men know that you're my disciples. He didn't say they'd know you're my disciples because you conquered the devil. He didn't say they'd know you're my disciples because of your great knowledge. He said that the world would know that we're disciples of God because of the love of God shown. Now, can you separate the love of God from victory? No. Can you separate the love of God from knowledge of the word? No. But love is always supposed to be the foundation. Furthermore, the Bible says in Galatians 5, 6 that faith works by love. So you can't be strengthened with might or ruled by faith unless you're operating in the love of God because your faith won't work. Faith has to have a foundation of the love of God. Now, what is the main thing that keeps our faith from working? Usually fear. Unbelief is usually sparked and originates in fear. What does John write to the church and tell us about love and fear? He said, perfect love casts out fear. Why? Because perfect love is, is results in faith in God's word. And faith in God's word dispels fear every time. That Christ may dwell in your heart by faith and that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend, may be able to comprehend. Now, I want you to understand something. There's a difference between uh, living by faith or being ruled by faith in the inner man and comprehending. There are some things you can know spiritually that your mind doesn't grasp yet. And really, if you think about it, the the whole idea of revelation, you know you've had this experience as much as I have. There are times where you read the Word of God and all of a sudden, it may be a scripture you've read a thousand times. But you see something in there and it comes alive. Well, what happened? Did you just find out that scripture was there? No, you've seen it many, many times. Well, what did take place? The truth of what you knew from your heart was already there, exploded into your mind. That's what revelation knowledge is. Revelation knowledge is spiritual truth that explodes in our minds. And when we see it, it's like, whoa, where did that come from? What's been there all the time? Why didn't we see it before? There was something about it we didn't comprehend. So Paul is praying that by being ruled by faith and grounded in love, we would have spiritual revelation about certain things. We may comprehend that we might comprehend with all the saints. Don't overlook that phrase, with all the saints. There's such an attitude, especially in the American church, that we don't need anybody. We can make it on our own. No, we're supposed to comprehend with all the saints. The idea that we can make it as, uh, as well or make it as successfully on our own without the fellowship of other believers is foolish. Yet that's the number one thing the devil does. The devil will try to bring offense or some, and it may be offense because of something that's done or it may be just uh, pride that he brings against somebody and wrong thinking or whatever the case is, but he tries to separate them from a group of believers. 
Well, once it gets you separated, then you become an easy target. Even the animal kingdom works this way. Lions and wild animals charge the herd, trying to separate one from the herd. The herd goes one way. The individual goes another way. Where does he go? He doesn't follow the herd. He follows the individual. T.L. Osborne used to say it like this. The banana that gets pulled away from the bunch is the one that gets peeled. I don't think you can do any better than that. And that's exactly his purpose. Because then you get in trouble and where do you go? The Bible says in Acts chapter 4 that being let go, Paul and, and uh, uh, Peter and John, excuse me, after being threatened by the Jewish council, went to their own company. Well, if you've been pulled away and you don't have your own company, where do you go when you're in trouble? And that's the case with so many believers. They've separated themselves They become easy targets for the devil and they have nowhere to go for help and support. Paul's praying that we may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. What's he saying? He's saying God wants us to realize something. He's saying God wants to reveal certain things to us. What does he want to reveal to us? Well, notice the word breadth. What is the word breadth? The word breadth in the original Greek comes from a word that means storage containers or compartments. He's talking about the word. He's talking about the word. He's talking about living a balanced lifestyle according to the word. Christ dwelling in our heart by faith, rooted and grounded in love, able to see what are the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Now, some people get off on a tangent. Some people are this way with the subject of faith. Some people think that faith is the only thing that there is. They learned about faith. It changed their life. And so faith, 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 faith is it. Well, faith is one of the keys of the kingdom. But Jesus didn't say, I will give you the key of the kingdom. He said keys, which means we need to be just as developed in love as we are in faith. We need to be just as developed in prayer. We need to be just as developed in giving. We need to be just as developed in hospitality. We need to be just as developed in the other fruit of the Spirit as we are in our favorite little subjects. And that's the breadth. When it talks about the love of God, how do you know about the love of God? Where do you find about, out about the love of God? Does God just separate you, your mind and your own business, walking through life in your unsaved condition, and all of a sudden God does something to show you he loves you, writes in the sky? creates a billboard just for you and you come to realize oh God loves me no we find out through the word so many Christians are hindered in their spiritual development because they're going only by their experience and they've never experienced the love of God the way the Bible talks about so they accept well the Bible can't really mean what it says when in fact the Bible means exactly what it says And the only way you can ever understand or ever uh, experience what the Bible refers to is gaining a knowledge of the Word. The Bible says, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. The greater one lives in you. What is he doing in there? He's there to strengthen you. He's there to help you. Rely on the help of the Holy Ghost in everything that you do. Thanks for watching today. Come visit us at Foothill Family Church. 
This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. The only time that you're ever going to have the opportunity to defeat the devil is right here and right now. And it's the defeat of the devil that Jesus came to accomplish to fulfill God's eternal purpose before the world was ever created to glorify himself through you. Join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Visit us online at mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.